Welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your co-hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I'm glad to have you with us here today. We have a little bit more light on the subject on Will Harley. He's, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, he's got a little bit more light. And I played around with the lights uh, this coming week. But my cohort in crime is here, Pastor Will Harley. I'm also one of the hosts. <laughs> you are one of the hosts. And uh, he is my... As sometimes Will likes to say, my partner in crime. And you know, if uh, we ever get caught for this crime, I plan on leaving the country and going to Switzerland. I hear, and the positive thing about uh, Chocolate. Switzerland is their flag is a big plus. So we are looking at... It's like no carb chocolate, too. <laughs> Still sugar, but uh, we are looking at uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 uh, for today, and we're looking at letters. And uh, before we do so, we should probably have a disclaimer of some sort. First of all, when we say we're looking at letters, we mean more than just <laughs> that make words. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at those two. <laughs> Churches. <laughs> if, our, if we ever snap... That might be the reason when we start a sermon and we go, today's, today's sermon letters. brought to you about, <laughs> we're going to talk to you about letters. Today's a sermon brought to you by the letter. Oh, anyway. All right. Uh, so here's our disclaimer. Our disclaimer is this is just the rambling thoughts of two guys who think they know something about a little bit of nothing. And so as we get together and we have this conversation, it's just the beginning of the conversation. To those who are joining us live, be a part of the conversation. Write in a question if you're having one as you read along with us in the book of Revelation. Know that we are going to try our very best to always stick to what it is that we preach and teach in our congregations. Um, but it might not always reflect the opinion of our calling bodies or of the Wisconsin Evangelical. Lutheran Synod, of which we are a part. Or ourselves. Or ourselves. If you would like to not get offended, that would be really appreciated by us. We would we don't want to offend you, but um, if you don't like what we have to say or if you think that we're wrong, put it in the comment section, send us an email, uh, find us at our churches, and say, uh, I would like to talk about this because I don't agree. And then we will be doing what we want to do, which is talk about Jesus. Yeah, continue a conversation. The email that you uh, would need to contact us at is castingnetspod at gmail.com. Have you been checking that, by the way? Because I forgot to check that. I have been checking that. And if people really like the the, the content, we just are assuming that people are going to uh, be offended by it and, and, and want to have to talk to us. But if you really like the content, uh, we encourage you to uh, give us a review. If, on your, if you're listening to this as a podcast, give us a good review. Give us four stars. Don't give us five. Because if I have five, my head, which is already big, would get too big. Would yes. explode. I couldn't fit through the door then. That's true. So he lets things go to his head. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Rudot's head is starting to shape like a cross. I don't I'm, know what's I'm the going natural on. humble person. <laughs> He's the best humble person I know. You're the second best humble person I know. 
<laughs> Without further ado, let's get into our topic. So, uh, chapter two of the book of Revelation is kind of a vision, kind of not. Uh, it is a, a, you have very picturesque language in Revelation two and three, but it is also very literal. It's actually Jesus speaking directly to the churches. This is a, a buildup from the previous chapter where Jesus is seen standing at, amongst the lampstand, standing amongst the churches. Now he's going to speak to them directly. Yeah, and and interestingly enough, <clears throat> and you're going to find you're going to have seven letters um to to the seven churches and um one of the things as we we went back and we, we you know you you got to approach some numerology here. You have these these seven churches so you have the the completeness of of God's message to these people if you or, are looking at seven as complete um or um which I kind of do just in the sense in my defense that that even though he's referring to the seven churches that he listed before um in each of these letters really they are embodying the things that all of God's church do end up having to contend with um and the areas of life in which they're found. And so when we when you look at that you see okay there are some churches that are dealing with this still today and others that are dealing with that still today. Um and then the the really the final comment that I would I would probably throw out there is is he is dealing with the congregations through their called servant servant to, as he's calling talking to the angel. Right. Yep. And and he's saying to the messenger the one who's who's going to be saying this to the churches. And I really like the fact that you mentioned that all of these letters are written to for all of God's church for all of God's time because it is a, a tendency from those in especially in the reformed camp or the millennialists camp to look at this as different ages of the New Testament church which is kind of surprising since this group which is uh they like to take things literally like when Satan is bound for a thousand years like this is a literal thousand years when you get to something called a letter and given to a church at a particular place, they would say, oh, no, that's not literal. Let's take that to be figurative of something bigger. So they're picking and choosing what they like to have literal and what they like to have uh, uh, figurative. And as we as Lutherans are looking at this and saying, let's context tell us it's it pretty clear that this is not a uh, figurative of all seven eight, seven ages of the of the Christian church and all of the things that Jesus talks about is found within the Christian church throughout time. So it's not like yeah. it's... It's a characteristic or personality of each church, well, and, or of a church, or in a particular time. And I and I think it's like you said, it's it's really easy to look at this and say to yourself, you know, I want I want the things that God made very very clear to become more ambiguous, for the sole purpose of then I'm I'm not held to it, um, as as much as I would I would feel guilty if I didn't do that or look at it in my own in my own life. Um, and then the things that God makes purposely ambiguous or or uses picturesque language that makes it. So we scratch our head a little bit. We want to make those very hard and fast because those are so out of the box, right? That, that we feel more comfortable in dealing with it. And so I, I, I really think that, um, going through the book of Revelation and saying, let's take it as God gave it and, and say, these are sections where we scratch our head and these are sections where we don't have to scratch our head because he's very clear. Um, 
and and kind of do it that way. So let's get into the letters because we got seven letters and you know we were five minutes late for some reason. Yeah, and before we even get to the letters, let's look at a picture. If you're watching this online, you can see a picture of where the seven churches were located. See, this is pretty neat. This is like almost like almost almost like a PowerPoint. Uh, pastors love PowerPoint. Some pastors do anyway. But here you can see (laughs) the humble ones. Um, the, here is a picture of where the seven churches are. You can, if you're listening on your podcast, you can easily Google the seven churches of Revelation. And, and, um, if it's anything other than these are seven locations and you can disregard whatever they have to say. But here we have different locations in in Western, uh, what is modern day Turkey. Um, and, uh, as they are, or in, um, in Greece and in, in Eastern Southern Greece. So, um, keeping that picture up there, just, you know, one of the comments that I'd heard, and I guess I wouldn't know how the walking arrangement would be for everybody, but from what I have heard is that the, the churches are really listed in, in journey order. The kind of the way that you would, you would walk and journey to them. Um, and so they're kind of listed and approached that way, um, as if someone was going to be on a journey. And, and and they're going to be encountering these places as they go. Um, I had not, actually not heard that, but it's kind of uh, Philadelphia is kind of the one that's out of the out of the loop, though. See, you got to go further for that one, so it's yeah. at the end. <laughs> it's not at the end. My Odyssea is at the end, so it's kind of a taken a detour up to to Greece, I guess. Um, anyway, um, it, here we are. At the, let's uh, go to the books. The first uh, letter. Let's. Oh, actually, let's actually read this from. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 7. To the messenger of the church in Ephesus write, to the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven gold lampstands, says this, I know your works, your labor, and your patient endurance, that you are not able to tolerate evil people. You have tested those who say that they are apostles, but are not, and have found them to be liars. Indeed, you do have patient endurance. You have endured hardships on account of my name and have not become weary. But I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember, therefore, the state from which you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place if you do not repent. But you do have this. You hate the actions of the Nicolaitans, whom I also hate. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the privilege to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So we got a couple of things going on here, right? <clears throat> so we got, we, we have, uh, um, do we want to comment now at the beginning of the letters, how the letters are arranged typically, except for two of them? Yeah, they kind of have a pattern. Uh, yeah. Each one of the letters has uh, a command to write to these uh, particular uh, congregations. They each have a description of Jesus, which is, which matches uh, the description of that John has, or that matches the vision of John, the vision of Jesus that John has in the previous chapter, and then we have some sort of commendation, a word of criticism, admonition, call to hear, and a promise. Yeah, except for two of them, Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia, which don't have a criticism, right? Yes. Yep. And Laodicea has nothing good. He has nothing good to say to Laodicea. Well, that's for highlighting later. <laughs> They have, he has no commendation for them. And and the neat thing about uh, the promises that are mentioned as we get, if you read through the promises, they're actually found in the end of the book of Revelation. They are fulfilled 
uh, in the book of Revelation. And uh, so when we get to the end of the book of Revelation, if we remember, you'll see all of these promises fulfilled in the church at the end of all time. And, and interestingly, and, and so one of the interesting things about each of the promises, and we're going to see this as we go through, they all are, they, they revolve around pretty much the same concept, right? Um, it, the, the life everlasting, you know, the glory of what, what is ours now because of Christ and his work. Um, so it really links itself to the, each of the qualities that you have in the beginning of, of when it, referring back to the vision of Christ. The very things that, that the congregations are struggling with are going to be, become the very things that are highlighted in, in this vision of Christ as he says, the one who, and then he's going to say who he is at, at this personal section. It's really going to have a connection to what's going on in the church that's being referred to. So in, in this case, here's a good example. In the case of Ephesus, um, and we can talk about how Ephesus was and, uh, and how it came along to be. Um, but one of the things that is commented, their criticism is they have neglected their first love. And you might be thinking, what's their first love, right? Did they lose faith? Did they do it? They are not in faith because he has, he says, he, you have done this. They're faithful. The thing that they have lost is the gospel proclamation. They're so enamored in fighting, right? They're so enamored in fighting, they forgot that Christ is among them and that Christ is the one who is shining through them. And so notice in the very beginning when when um, Christ is giving this letter to the messenger to share, he says, the one who is among the lampstands, the very one you're supposed to be highlighting you forgot that. And so he's, he's, so when you're going through these letters, take a minute to just step back and say, the vision of Christ within this letter, how does that mesh with the problem, the criticism that's going to be highlighted within that letter? Because it, it really is a beautiful picture of, hey, the guy who's among the lampstands, you forgot him <laughs> when you're, you're doing your work, right? Yes, um, e- Ephesus, a city that uh, has been around for, by the time John wrote this, is what fifty years at least. Uh, John, uh, the Apostle Paul spent three years there. Uh, Timothy was a pastor there, so they had some you know pretty heavy weights as far as pastors go. Timothy was a pastor there. John himself was a pastor in Ephesus. So till they kicked him out. Till <laughs> till he was uh, sent into exile to to the. I was going to. So anyway. Um, so this is uh, a people that had some really good gospel preachers throughout time, and now here uh, Jesus is encouraging them to go back to that. And it is good that there, you can imagine the church, uh, Ephesus is a big city, uh, it's a, a base of operations, lots of activity going in and out of the city of Ephesus. You can imagine uh, that they would have a lot of uh, uh, battles. You'd have the, 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 the uh, Judaizers coming in and waves of Judaizers coming in. You've got the Gnostics coming in and all of these different false teachings, uh, which uh, Jesus describes as the Nicolaitans, um, and, or the, uh, what was the other ones? Uh, they did. Uh, are found within here. Eventually, yeah. who would they, they go against? They go against Gnosticism. Yeah. So, I mean, you have, you have that in there. It's the Nicolaitans. Um, oh, the, tested those who thought they were apostles but are not and found them to be liars. Right. So they were doing a lot of examinations, a lot of, of uh, contending for the for the truth, but then, like you said, not proclaiming the gospel, not proclaiming the one who is amongst them. Do you have some information on the Nicolaitans? I do. Uh, we don't know a very <laughs> we don't know much about the Nicolaitans. So that's the information I know, ladies and gentlemen. Um, from what we re- read in verse fourteen and fifteen, they, we may 
they they may have reason that since we are saved by grace and since the body is already corrupt, it is right to use the body to engage in sin, which is very much kind of like a Gnostic. So, idea. The, from what I was able to gather about the Nicolaitans, uh, following along those same lines, is is really the idea of so <clears throat> coming into to what he's saying to the the, the Ephesians um, here, or the church in Ephesus is. You are you have forgotten the gospel because you're fighting the good fight against everything and that's against the gospel. But you're also standing up against the Nicolaitans who are so gospel enamored that they have forgotten the law. And and so that's really the double the double take here is is the Lord is praising them for their for their fight to do what is good. But in their fight to do what is good, they have forgotten that there is forgiveness and there is grace. But then again, they're also fighting against the people who say, well, because I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want, which isn't right also. And so, so really he's, you, you have this tongue in cheek kind of a praise going on where he's saying, you know, fighting the good fight is good. But if you fight the good fight to the exclusion of repairing the damage, it's bad. And, and, and this is something that I would say every church has to deal with, right? Um, Every church wants to come out with the law. Everyone wants to swing to the fences and 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 say, "Man, you know, I just remember preaching a sermon one time where I walked out and and one of the members said, "You really got them good there, pastor. You missed the point." <laughs> but but you know, that's we want those things, right? We want the church that stands up against fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. You know, stands up against abortion, stands up against uh living relationships, stands up against homosexuality, stands up against um um you know stand whatever the cause is you want your church to stand up against it but that's what are we hearing that's not the point of the church although it's good and he's not saying it's bad that you stood up what he's saying is when you stand up and you forget to do what the actual role of the church is that's bad that's a good way of summarizing ephesus let's move on to smyrna uh smyrna uh, or let's read it Uh, that would be good. That would be good to read the Bible. The, all of the letters that are found therein and how they are put together in words. That's and a neat word, therein. <laughs> all right, here we go. To the messenger of the church in Smyrna, right? So this is, I'm sorry, this is verses 8 to 11 in chapter 2. To the messenger of the church in Smyrna, right? The first and the last who was dead and came to life again says this. I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know that you're the blasphemy that comes from those who say that they are Jews but are not. Rather, they are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear anything that you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will suffer for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Yeah, I, I just picked up on this in the second letter, and I just want to want to throw it out there. Um, notice he he doesn't say um, those who have ears let them hear. Who has an ear? <laughs> you only need one. <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it almost brings up the image of you know they're going to be suffering. I wonder if they're going to get an ear cut off. <laughs> um, 
I, that's just speculation on my part. <laughs> I'm just, I just, our minds are wandering, which is okay because you're, you're joining two pastors who are just having a conversation about God's word. Um, and we are holding ourselves to the Lutheran confessions, but we're letting our imaginations go wherever. Well, but I mean, Jesus in his ministry here on earth, and many times he says, those who have ears, ears, plural, let them hear. And, and now he says, an ear. I mean, it just makes your mind wander. Um, <clears throat> synagogue of Satan. Let's talk about that. You're passing the good parts, though. Fine, we'll talk <laughs> the about synagogue that. of Satan. Is a good part. <laughs> Fine, go ahead. No, talk about what you want. This is your podcast, so let's just go do ahead. What, you what, want. what do you want to talk about, Will? What did I miss? Well, you missed. You missed the very important part of of the fact that the um, he's starting a section in these letters, right? Um, where, where he, we've had it in the beginning, but now we're going to continue this on where the Lord is going to say, I know. Oh, um, yeah, and, and hard. just the, the simple fact that the Lord knows every single instance. And, and it's going to come up when, when he's dealing with the, the synagogue of Satan that he's going to say, I also know what's coming and don't be afraid of the suffering. I mean, that doesn't seem like that's a really good thing for us to say, Oh man, suffering's coming. But the fact that God knows. He knows and he knows the end and he knows the see through. He knows. And, and so there's, there's a, there's a real joy for the Christian in hearing those words when the Lord says, I know. And at the beginning of all these letters, we're going to see, I, he's going to say, I know. I know what's going on. I know what's, what's happening. I know what my people are going through. Um, and in this case, he knows their poverty and he knows that the poverty of what the world sees isn't true. It, it's not the reality. Um, and, and I think that's an important thing that we need to realize and, and, and more important than what's coming, because I know what's coming is, is more fascinating, right? Let's talk about that. <laughs> but what's more life giving is the fact that what the world sees isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It all depends on how you want to uh, focus on each one of the letters. And definitely it is a good thing to Gosh, focus well. on. On the commendation that Jesus has, the encouragement, because we are so so quick to go to the negative things sometimes. Um, and the same thing is true of our own churches, where we think of the negative things about our church before we think about the positive things that are there. Smyrna had this synagogue of Satan, which we um, are, are talking about in, in this letter. Um, they rejected Christ and used the synagogues as bases for which they persecuted the church. And they were, in, in doing so, they served not God, but they served Satan because they were holding on to not just Jesus, but also the law in terms of this is the reason why you are going to heaven is because of keeping these regulations and customs. So, so I have a question about that. <clears throat> and I don't know if we have an answer or not, but by using the word synagogue, is he referencing like Jewish, like the, these were, these were, were Jewish people who have now gone from, um, you know, I don't know what this Christian group is to, um, I'm completely rejecting the Christian group and now persecuting, sort of like what Paul was a member of, you know, the, 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 the Sanhedrin and the, the ruling class that are persecuting. Or is this flowery language of saying there is, there are people who consider themselves worship leaders who are actively persecuting against, against faith? I would just look at verse, I guess, Verse nine, who say they are Jews but are not. And that's my question. So is that a is is that a, a lead in 
I know you're suffering. I know, I know that uh, there's blaspheme going on. And those same blasphemers who, who say they're Jews, but really aren't Jews, they have a synagogue. Is that, is that where he's leading towards or are these two dis- different functions? Since we don't know very much about Smyrna at all, and it's so close to Ephesus, we just assume that there is some Jewish contingent there, and we are assuming that there is uh, these are people who claim to be Jews but are not. Um, of course, we don't know. We can't say that definitely these are Jews, or definitely these are just people who claim to be Jews that that are Gentiles. That um, either either way, they're going to be persecuting this group in Smyrna for, as Jesus says, 10 days. Now, however you look at 10, whether you look at 10 in terms of covenant or whether you look at it in terms of completeness, it's 10 days. It's a, a, a temporary time. It's a, uh, it has an end time. It has a beginning days in comparison to what lies ahead is short. So, so I, something short. Yeah, go ahead. I, I like the idea and I, I agree with you, the set time. I attempted to try to meld our numerology. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they aren't that far off, really, if you think about it. Of course not. I mean, one's right, one's wrong. It's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be something far, wouldn't it? Between something that is right and something that isn't right. That's, there, there's a huge the... difference between the two. <laughs> one is right and one isn't. One's or, slightly wrong. <laughs> slightly wrong is still wrong. But, but, but I would say that either either one we're kind of going to the right. same place. Exactly. And, but what I was, what I was going to say before I was rudely interrupted with that. No. <laughs> rudely interrupted. <laughs> is, is the idea though that, so you have these 10 days and it is a, it is a, it is a set period of time. Um, but noticing, you know, if, if from the writer of our book, um, the seven visions, seven truths, he looks at this and says, this is a, uh, 10 is the covenant number, right? Well, the covenant. He would say completeness. You would you would say covenant number. I would, yeah. Melding the two together, you know, the covenant is is the Mosaic law that that was that was really the the basis of this, and and you have this ten being the extent they were going to be punished to the extent of the law, right? Um, if these are the Jewish people, they're going to be running them through every single Jewish law that they have um, to the to the set amount that they can, um, and notice it's going to end with. Death. I mean, that's, that's really what you have as a, as an indicator coming near the end that this is something that is going to protract itself out to the end of, right? You've broken the covenantal law, right? You've broken the, the complete law that was given to us. And this is its ending. And when the Lord says, but you haven't, but it's coming, right? Um, let's finish off our talking about, uh, Smyrna with the second death hurt at all by the second death. You want to talk some more about that or would you like me to take that? Well, I mean, the second death is, is that of, of what comes into eternity. Um, the Lord often says the second death, second death is, is really that of the suffering of hell. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we all have a first death. We, we are going to die because that's the wage of sin. Um, and, and th- even though we are saved from the eternal ramifications of sin, um, we are not we we still are going to have to deal with what sin does in this in this body and to this world that being the case um in Christ we are freed from the punishments of hell which is the second death i don't know how much more you want to go into that i mean we could try to hit the levels want to want to talk about the levels of the second death that's more of a dante inferno thing <laughs> <laughs> If you want our imaginations to stray 
completely. That would be another good podcast, going through Dante's Inferno, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be awesome. You can do one of those things that we call fishing solo with that podcast. Now, I'd, I'd welcome that. That'd be all right. I see. I might even listen to that. Maybe. Okay. I'm trying to see. First, he calls me rude, and then I'm trying to be polite, and then he doesn't like that either. Let's talk about Pergamon. Let's move on. All right. So here, this is chapter two, reading verses twelve to seventeen. To the messenger of the church in Pergamum, write: the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this: I know where you live where the throne of Satan is, and I know that you hold fast to my name. You did not renounce your faith to me in me, your faith in me, even in the days when Antipas, my faithful witness, was put to death near you, the place where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. You have some people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who instructed Balak to put a stumbling block in front of the children of Israel so that they would eat things offered to idols and commit sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have some people who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, which no one will know except the one who receives it. So so can I just... Can I tell a story quick? I was, I'm going to die anyway, even if you say no. <laughs> it, does it have Dante's Inferno? It doesn't. It? it doesn't. It actually deals with the the very ending of of um of verse seventeen. So I was sitting in I was sitting in in one of the local restaurants in the area in which I live, and uh, I was having a meal with my family, and we bowed our head and we prayed before the meal because we do that out loud. Um, because we like to brag that we're Christians. I'm not, that's sarcasm not for brag. That is, that is sarcasm. We just, we do pray before we eat. And, um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the people were leaving and they tapped me on the shoulder as they were leaving, which is kind of weird because you're in a restaurant and, and things. And, um, I turn around and he says, I just want to let you know, um, that we're Christian too. And I said, Oh, wonderful. And he says, you must be Lutheran. And I said, yes. And he goes, I could tell because of your prayer. And I said, Oh, that, that's wonderful. I said, thank you. I said, you know, um, I hope you have a great day. And he says, I want to let you know, I used to be Lutheran. And then I found a church that gave me my new name. And he says, and I have the rock. And I, and at first I didn't place it. Like, what are you referring to? Um, but then I remembered this is like a revelation thing. Like he was given and he was very, very serious about, um, they were real. They were the true Christians because the church gave him a rock with a new name. And he says, I can't tell you my new name. He says, it's only between me and God, but I have a rock and I carry it with me all the time. And I said, okay, okay. <laughs> have a great, have a wonderful day. <laughs> There's more to that story about the conversation afterwards with my kids, but, but I'm, I'm yeah. there are people that are looking at this and they're saying, you know, I need a new name. I need a new name and I need a rock. A white a one on it. with a name on it, an invisible ink that only I and the Lord know. <clears throat> it's, it's out there. All right. This is crazy. We skipped over the good parts of Pergamum, though. I know, but I wanted to tell that story, and you were going to cut me off if I didn't tell it soon. <laughs> You'd be like, let's move on. 
Um, <laughs> so let's Perga- talk about Pergamum. Per- Pergamum. Uh, so where is Pergamum on the, on, it's in East, in Western, uh, Turkey. It is in the Northwest side. It is the political center of the region. It was known for its idol worship. So there's worship to the emperor there. Uh, Diana, I think was another one, another temple. So there's lots of, uh, false, uh, religions that were very prominent in this area. And, uh, Jesus begins his letter with a commendation. I know, I know where you live. I, and this, I, I don't think this is necessarily a negative thing. I think this is Jesus acknowledging where you're living is a tough place to be, to be a Christian in the midst of all of this idol, idolatry worship. Uh, this is kind of like, the, the, and this is why we could see, um, uh, interesting that he would bring up the picture of Balaam and Balak as the people of Israel are heading back. Uh, to the promised land, they're surrounded by idol worship. They're trying to make their way. They're trying to get into this promised land, um, trying to make it to the promised land, and they are isolated uh, amongst the nations of the world. So this, these Christians living in Pergamum must have felt very isolated living where they were. And I think you get that idea of of the difficulty of living in that when when you get to the ramifications of what's going on, where the Lord calls them to repent. <clears throat> and and really, the Lord says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to punish them. He's not punishing the church that's among them um, because they were unable to maybe lead someone to repentance. Um, they're going to come and, and punish those who are not. He's going to come and punish those who have not repented. Um, so I, I think you have... I don't know if it's so much, a, and this is this is one of those where I, I don't know if he's criticizing the church so much as he's criticizing the people who are around the church. You know, I, I yes, you yeah, know. the criticism can coming, but uh, right in the first part, it's more of a commendation and encouragement rather than. Well, but even the criticism that comes, I don't know if it's. It, I think it's less of the criticism of the church at large and more of a criticism of those who are unbelieving, and 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 that are trying to associate with them. That are in their midst, and they're not doing anything about it. They're not talking to them. Right. It, um, let's talk more about Balaam and Balak. Sure. Um, and we'll get to that other part. The story of Balaam is found in Numbers chapter 22. Balaam was a prophet, not from Israel, whom Balak, who is king of Moab, not hired from Israel. To, not from Israel. Hired to curse Israel. Not, yeah, not, not a good thing. This happened right before Israel entered the promised land. However, instead of cursing Israel, Balaam dressed, uh, blessed the nation. Nevertheless, Balaam encouraged Balak to entice Israel into idol worship so that God would punish the nations. And his um, his remedy was, well, if I can't curse them, let's bring them our women. And they'll love our women, and because of that, they will uh, worship with our women with our women and be led astray from the worship of the true God. Yeah, that was the that was the plan of of, of Balak, right? Um, that, uh, that well, Balaam gave him the plan, and then and Balak enacted it. Uh, because he couldn't say anything bad to God's people, um, although he tried three times. Three times he tried. Yeah, and and God sent him a preacher even before <laughs> the best preacher ever. The best preacher ever. <laughs> a donkey who opened a, opened a, her, the lips and said, "Why are you hitting me?" <laughs> <laughs> Numbers twenty two is where you should go, dear listener. And read this a fascinating story of uh, Balaam and his donkey, yes, and an angel of God standing there, and and then come to church and realize God still sends you a donkey, donkey. every Sunday, 
Yeah. <laughs> and he opens his mouth and says, why are you hitting, why are you hitting me? me? I'm just trying to protect you. <laughs> why are you giving me all this grief? <laughs> just trying to give you the goods. <laughs> Quit hitting me. <laughs> Sorry, moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk about the white stone. Yeah. Unless you want to talk about the mana first. Um. No, we'll we'll talk about the white stone. I I think the mana is self-explanatory. It's self-explanatory, but the idea of a secret mana is not. I, I guess the only comment I would say about that is it's, don't start thinking gnostic secret information. Um, think more of, you know, this is stuff that God is going to give to His people outside of the normal way that people think your your sustenance and your your needs would be met. Yeah, uh, it's it's something like. Uh, wasn't that Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. Just right. the, the idea of God's going to give us strength. And I talked about this in the sermon last week, or uh, the ways that God prevents evil from happening to us is giving us the strength to undergo whatever evil is going on to, so that we could pursue it so that evil doesn't win. So here, Jesus is giving that same promise to the people of, uh, of, of Pergamum that he's going to give them the strength, something not found normally, um, so that they can un, um, persevere. Right. So let's talk about that white stone. <clears throat> so you you got a yeah, it's a it's it's an interesting picture that we have, and I think if you read too much into it and and start thinking that this is like I said again, taking it out of the context in which it's found, uh, the context in which it's found is is this is something that that is yours in eternity. This is not something that um is yours now, as if like you're living with this hidden name that nobody knows. Um, I guess I look at this and, and, and man, you got all the, this is, I feel so much better just as a side comment about today because the world has been turned back to the way that it should have been. He's got papers everywhere and books open and notes. And I just have my Bible (laughs) with, with notes in it. I just have my Bible. With some underlining, but I mean, with this some is, notes in it. I see some notes. Ri- there's some scribblings. notes, some scribblings, but this is how the world is supposed, supposed to, to be. work. <laughs> Dave with his notes and prepared. The white. St- I like the the picture of the white stone. Just the idea of the Greek juries. How do they declare somebody innocent? Yeah. And that is with the white stone. So a uh, black stone meant guilty. So in heaven, like you were saying, the reality that we have is that we are innocent before God, even if we don't look like we're innocent, even if we are people who are struggling with sin and struggling with temptation, we have this external truth that is ours because Jesus died for us and, and rose again, is that we our sins are, are no more, that our sins are forgiven. Uh, we receive this wonderful gift on Sundays when we confess our sins and receive absolution, when we receive the Lord's Supper, the, that in a very personal way, that we are innocent, even if... We are still struggling to be the people that God has called us to be. If we are still struggling uh, with uh, with our our own sinful flesh, we have this real reality that we are indeed innocent. That and the confidence when we get to heaven or when we die and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we can say, "Because of Jesus, I'm innocent. I've got that white stone." You know, uh, Jesus. I guess you could see that picture where Jesus is. We would say, "You know, Jesus, you know what kind of stone I've got." Well, and, and I think it goes a little bit uh, and. More than that, just in the sense that you think back to your baptism, um, and it's been the, it's been for the longest, longest time in the Christian church that when a person is baptized, their last name is not spoken because you now are, your new name is that of God. 
Um, and we don't know his last name. Um, <clears throat> and so there's also been the tradition in the church for a longstanding time that you would get a new name in christening. Like that, that would be something new. Um, and it all kind of flows from this idea of God is making something that was once dead in sin, now new again. Um, I like that idea of the white stone being the way that they would declare innocence, but the new name itself. It, it's not just my old self is, is declared innocent. I am new. I am a new creation. I am, I am born, um, from, from death into life. Um, and I think there's just that beautiful connection that, that he's, he highlights. He says, this is, people aren't going to see it. They they might not see the difference. And, and, and listener, as you're out here, um, I don't know how many people do we have on one, two, <laughs> two, two, um, not including you. Uh, no, <laughs> not including me. I am not listening, nor am I watching. Um, I am completely disengaged. But but the, the idea, though, right? The, that idea of of there are times in life where a Christian will be walking down the street and no one will know. Um, and there may be times where they struggle in their own in their own Christian walk and they are falling into sin, um, and. No one knows they are the Christian because what the world sees isn't going to be that, but yet they are carrying God's name. They, they are innocent in his sight because of Christ. Um, and I think there's a uh, hope there. There's some hope there. Moving on. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you wanted my opinion. I shared it. The church of Thyra Tyra verse chapter two, verses 18 to 28. To the messenger of the church in Thyatira, write, The Son of God, whose eyes are like fiery flames and whose feet are like polished bronze, say this, I know your works and love and faith and service as well as your patient endurance and that you are doing more now than you did at first. But I have this against you. You allow that woman Jezebel, the one who calls herself a prophetess, to deceive my servants and to teach them to commit sexual immorality and eat things offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she is not willing to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I'm going to throw her onto a bed and throw those who commit adultery with her into great suffering if they do not repent of her works. And I will put her children to death, and all the churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds, and that I will give to each of you according to your works. To the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who do not know Satan's deep things as they call them, I say that I will not lay any other burden on you, only hold fast to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and continues to do my works until the end, I will give him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an iron staff and shatter them like clay pots. Just as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yeah, you got the first introduction now in the book of Revelation to Jezebel. She'll come back. <clears throat> she'll she'll make her appearance, right? Um so you have you have a, a congregation who is dealing with sexual sins. Um and, and they seem to be running rampant in there. Um, maybe almost to the point of, of the Corinthian church and, and following the same lines of a Corinthian church to some extent, uh, where they have some sexual sins that are, are going on inside. Um, and that makes a difference. You, one of the, and, and maybe you, you've, 
read enough scripture and you say, why does he keep harping on sexual sins all the time? It's because they're the most um, entrapping, probably, because they deal with, um, even though they might deal with shame and, and feelings of inadequacy and things of that at the end, during, it's very pleasurable. And, and they become a trap, right? Because we always want more. And so that becomes a, a, a trap uh, to the believer. And it can also become a trap uh, to the world. I mean, sex and guns and, and drugs sell, right? Because they're all pleasurable things. Um, the guns, of course, for our anger, uh, sex for our physical, and drugs for our mental state. You know what I really like about uh, Jesus talking about here is, and I agree with everything you said. I'm not just moving on. Um if you say it well, I don't have to repeat it. I'm not like one of those people that has to, you know, a topic isn't, is we don't move on from, to, uh, from a topic until everybody has beaten it to death and then turned it over and then beaten it to death again. But I really liked everything you said. And I also like the fact that uh, Jesus emphasizes that he is the one that's going to do something about, like he is the one that is looking at it and seeing everything. We see how in the world there, um, and this is a, a topic that we've talked about before on the podcast of, of how people want to be, or in our sermons, I should say, how people want to be declared righteous by those around them. Like this, they want the approval of others and how uh, we're seeing that um, on in, playing out in real, in real time. I, I've been watching um, on Twitter. There's a, a Twitter one called Libs of TikTok, uh, TikTok, where they would have TikTok videos of people talking about how they would express themselves in their classrooms to the students or encouraging students in their, in their sexual orientation. And you, you, you watch those and you see people that are looking for someone to declare them righteous and good. Right. And here Jesus is saying, I'm looking at everything she is doing and I am making a declaration. It's not good. Well, and, and here's the problem, and, and this is maybe the problem that we have to deal with in the church. Is you, you notice this is the, the condemnation section of, of the church of Theatera is you allow the woman Jezebel, right? So, <clears throat> and this is maybe one of those things in the church where, and, and pastors are guilty of it just as much as the, the board of elders and the council. The pastor, whether he has a sinking suspicion or not that maybe someone in his congregation is living together without being married or they're participating in things that maybe are not going to be wholesome for them sexually, we, 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 and I say this as all pastors have a tendency to say, as long as I don't know for sure about it, I'm not going to open that can of worms. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's, it's that ignorance is bliss type of deal. I've preached against it. I've told them it's bad. If they want to do that, that's up to them. Um, but, but to the Lord, as he's looking at the church in Theoteri, he's like, no, that, that's, that's not how the church is supposed to conduct itself. Um, the church is supposed to conduct itself as we look at each other and say, there, we can be better. And because of Christ, we are better. And so we should be living in the world better. And, and if you choose to live this way, even though everyone else in the world says it's fine and it's okay, it's Jim Dandy, the, the question is, are you truly who you say you are? And are you truly believing what you say you believe? And if, and, and if not, then you shouldn't be. And if, and, and if you, if you aren't what you're saying you are, then we're parting ways. And, and I don't know. That's a hard, that's really hard for our modern churches, myself included, as pastor, 
to, to get my head around is to say, because you always want to say, well, there's, there's a little bit of hope, right? Give them a little bit of the gospel, get them into the church. Maybe, hopefully they will recognize <laughs> that, that, that was wrong and their, their life will be changed. And you have a couple of stories where that works, but it's hard. Yeah. It, this is really hard. And, uh, just wanted to close off the thought in verse 23 where, where a Lutheran might look at this and go and have some red flags saying, this sounds like Roman Catholics in verse 23. I will give, um, and I will put her children to death. Well, maybe not that part, but well, maybe it is that part. What kind of Catholics are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> the ones throughout history who put, uh, let's say John Huss to death and some other guys and, Anyway, uh, and all the churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds and that I will give to each of you according to your works. According to your works, I think, was the was the trigger word that I wanted to talk about. Where if, if you are not found in Christ, uh, you had better be absolutely 100% perfect. Otherwise, your works are n- worth nothing and not worth um, not worth uh, heaven. You're not declared righteous. Uh, you and I, as Christ looks at us, he sees a white stone. He sees someone who has, according to our works, done everything required to get into heaven. That is uh, a gift that is given to us, not something that we have earned or done. It's, it's more of a status thing. We have the status of being someone who has kept all of God's commands, not something that is a um, inner reality that we have actually kept all those commands because we are sinners at the same time we are saints. Right. Well, and, and I think going to the works, um, you just got to be very, very careful because as a believer, you will want to do that which God has given to you. Um, that doesn't mean you'll do it perfectly, but you'll want to. Um, and then as an unbeliever, you don't care. <laughs> um, and, and I think it comes back down though to, to the allow part. You know, if we preach against it, is it, are we still allowing it? Or is it, do you have to remove it from your side? And I think people struggle with that um, because I think it comes back down to, did I do enough? Mm-hmm. comes back down, down to the work, right? Um, if I didn't kick them out of the church, is that now going to be against me because I didn't do the work? Um, if I kicked them out of the church, is that going to be held against me because I worked too hard, <laughs> right? You know, um, I, I think it all just plays into the sense, and I like how you said it. You said it great. It, it, the, the focus should be less on us and more on Christ. This is Christ doing the work. And, and if you're in Christ, he did the work for you. Right. And, and if you're not, then you're sunk. All right. Moving on to the church in Sardis chapter three, uh, verses one to six. To the messenger of the church in Sardis write, to the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what is left, which is about to die, for I have found that your works are not complete in the sight of my God. Therefore, remember what you received and heard. Hold on to it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come upon you. Yet you have a few names in Sardis, people who have not defiled their clothes. They will walk with me in white clothing, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious in this way will be clothed in white clothing. I certainly will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
I cut to you, Will. Okay, I'm sorry. I I wasn't even looking at the screen. I'm just looking at it and saying, you know, this is, uh, this is some strong words because we just came off of uh, a message to one of the churches where it talks about works, right? Um, and it talks about doing something. And then you come to another church which seems to be doing something, but the doing that they're doing, it's a lot of doing, um, isn't right. And, and it comes back down to, you know, this is an Ephesians 2 verse 10 thing where we are created in Christ Jesus to do good things, which God has placed in advance for us to do. Um, the, the hinging point is, who are you doing the things in? Uh, if you're doing the things in Christ, they're complete, right? God is using them. God sees them. God loves them because they are the things that, that, that he has motivated and provided for you to do in his son. Um, it seems to be that the church of Sardis is, is putting a lot of effort to go through the motions, but they're empty. It's like, it's like the person who says, I'm going to donate tons of money to the hospital and they're going to build a wing in my name and it's going to be a great thing. And everyone looks at it and says, Oh, that's a great thing. But you know, this guy is, is empty of faith and that, that great thing isn't really that great. It's just a thing. Um, that's incomplete. When I look at uh, the church in Sardis, I think of Shawshank Redemption. This, these guys have been institutionalized. That they are no longer doing, it's all about the outer trappings of being a Christian or outer trappings of being a church, but have forgotten what the church truly is all about. Or even a school or daycare or any institution that, that was Christ, Christianized, right? Um, and all of a sudden it be, and, and maybe this is where we see our, in our society where you see all these Christians who fall away and, and all of a sudden they reject their faith and everyone's so shocked and like, but you were, you were this Christian artist. You were this Christian, whatever. You had this Christian company. And it's like, did they, did they really, or did they have something, a niche, a niche, 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 or is it niche? Let the viewer decide. I, yeah. I've, I've spoken I want, my I want speed. you to vote in. Is it niche or niche? Anyway, they have this little area where they're like, I can make money here, right? And, and so they, they capitalized on it. Um, and they put in the work, um, said the right things, but it really was nothing because they themselves were not found in faith. And, and I think it comes back down to this idea of, of recognizing it's less about what you do in the world and more about where it's coming from. And, and I don't think we like that. I don't think we like that as a society and we don't like that as people. We don't like to, to have it in the background. It's, it's where it's coming from that matters, not the what it happened that matters. Yeah. We can be so caught up in the outward appearances of things that that's really what matters that we become complacent about what's going on inside. Um, it's still tied niche or niche. It's well, still well, tied. There's two listeners. One, one each, <laughs> one's right? going one way, <laughs> one's going the other way. <clears throat> is this a tomato tomato? <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah, that the the temptation to fall into complacency is a personal thing. It's an it's a, a group thing, and there is and Jesus is prompt to us is to wake up. Like this is you don't have time to get it get your ducks in order later. This is your time. Uh, to get your ducks in order. This is your time to focus on you spiritually and receiving the gifts that God has given to you uh, through his word and sacrament. This is the time, not later, not when everything else is done. Not You can't just uh, go put your faith in a holding pattern because uh, life has happened. I think uh, Will and I have both talked about this, uh, and we're not the first ones to, 
to to see this or recognize this. But you know, summer comes along and people say, "Well, I can put my faith in a holding pattern because summer is here and it's time for that." And then uh, you don't know when the last things will happen. You don't know what's going to happen to your faith. So Jesus is encouraging us to be in Him, to be found in Him, to have to wear the right clothes, which is Christ. Not ourselves, not the things that we think are uh, what we need to do in order to get to heaven, but Christ. And where do we find Christ in his word and sacrament? Well, and I think it goes even in, in 100% exactly as you said, but then it also steps into the border of of these were people who were found in faith. God had given to them faith, and when God gives to you and works in your life faith, he then gives you the ability to do things. And you have that being picked up where he says, um, what was that in, in, um, verse three, hold on to it and repent. Right. And you're thinking he must do something. Well, no, 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 no. That, that's not the framework. The framework is God had already given it to you and, and it's slipping away and hold on. Um, it's, it's not, it's on its way out. And, and if you keep going down this road, it's gone. Um, but but you were and 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 had been claimed by by the word you were in faith you can do this and and that's the encouraging gospel right hold on um as augustine would say uh, god gives to us or uh, god gives to us what he demands and demands what he gives and and i think that's what you see i'm i'm good to move on all right let's let's move on to the the city of brotherly love philadelphia this is referencing into the future, United States, Philadelphia. Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> Philadelphia. I actually just, I'm sorry, I'm going to get, we're going to go down a rabbit hole. So this is chapter two, uh, chapter three, sorry, verses seven to 13 of the book of Revelation. To the messenger of the church of Philadelphia, right? The Holy One, the one who is true, the one who has the key of David, the one who opens and no one can, the one who opens and no one can shut, and who shuts and no one can open, says this. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door which no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Look, I will make those who are from the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but are lying. Look, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them realize that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing. This is about to come over the whole inhabited world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never leave it again. I will also write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from out of heaven from my God, and my new name. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There you go. <clears throat> and so you, now you have uh, Philadelphia, which which uh, small but um, but a loving church filled with grace. And we have uh, Philadelphia. We haven't really talked about the cities. I don't know if our listeners are really interested in about the cities, but there it's thirty miles southeast of Sardis. It's the gateway to the east. Uh, it is in um, Greece. Um, it is, uh, uh, one of the, when Paul was going on his second, second missionary journey and hit, you know, this is one of the cities in which he hit along the way. 
they are uh, weak in faith, um, which I think is a good time for us to maybe make just the very brief comment that that saving faith is saving faith, right? Whether weak or not. Um, if you think you have to have the, the, I mean, everyone would love the strongest faith. <laughs> let's, let's be honest, but, um, saving faith is saving faith. And, and, uh, I think the, the take home part here is they can't open the door themselves, but it doesn't matter because the door is open and, and it won't be shut on them. Um, so this is something God does on their behalf. Jesus does on their behalf. He, he opens the door, which is going to be interesting because later on we're going to see, be, so, be, behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> and, and it's, it's like, go back a couple. Jesus opens the door too. <laughs> Can I just take a, a second to see how encouraging, uh, size of a mustard seed? Yeah, that's a very good comment. Um, a faith doesn't matter. Jesus talks about a, a faith, the size of a mustard seed. It's what it our faith does is. matter. In. It's Just what our the faith size is in. of faith doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. I, I think that's what I was trying to say. But yes. yes, and it's who it's in. That's that's the point. Yeah. I I to I'm getting back to my original point before I was distracted by our listeners. So that's okay. Why you're blaming the listeners? I, the listeners, me. the listeners can distract me. That's okay. <laughs> I'm engaged. <laughs> So, um, I, what I like about is where Jesus says, you know, in the end, uh, the synagogue of Satan, they will have to, they are going to have to put their thing, their, they'll have to bow down at your feet. Just that, that whole concept of at the end of all things, those who are, this is a very comforting thing for those who are feeling under attack or feeling like, man, it doesn't seem like our way is going well. Uh, I think maybe a lot of, People in our own country are feeling, and rightfully so and should be feeling, but up to this point have been surrounded by cultural Christianity, and so they've had this this false sense of isolation. But now that cultural Christianity is, is gone, it is more of the realization, man, we are a small minority in this world, and we've always been a minority. But now here we are, this small minority, but it, it does it – are we on the right side and, and all of these things? And Jesus gives us the encouragement at the end of all things, uh, those, and this shouldn't be done. I don't say this as motivation. This is not the reason why we are Christian, but just the comfort that in the end, uh, those who rejected God will, uh, have to acknowledge that God's way was right. Well, and I think, you know, that's the, the I told you so moment, but at that moment, it's not going to matter. <laughs> You know, we, we all look at the, I told you so, and you're thinking that's the, that's the, the, the pinnacle, right? That'll be the greatest time when I can say, I told you so. And, and I mean, sometimes we maybe even use that as our witness tool, you know, you know, what are you going to say when you're up? You know, I told you so. Um, but it's, it's not the, that, that's not the point. The point is, um, you're victorious and you're not going to care. <laughs> Yeah, really, I I, th- I look at some of these things and, you, and, and it's not going to matter. I know it probably doesn't matter to us, but it will matter to our Lord, which is kind of that's the comforting thing. Yeah. Where the Lord says, "You know what? You've and it's the vengeance the, is mine," saith the Lord. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and my biggest vengeance is they will bow before those they abused. My people. Jesus is pretty competitive about who is right and who and is vindictive. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That, well, read the that, book of Job. God's a little kind of, you know, he's not afraid to let the, the enemies of God say uh, and rub their noses in the fact that 
that he is God and they are not. Well, and he's wrath. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot that that you could unpack into that and say that you know this is for for um, less our enjoyment and more for the fact that that this is what is due. Um, you are rulers in Christ, mm-hmm. and that's just what it is. Let's finish off uh, Laodicea. So here, this is chapter 3, reading verses 14 to 22. To the messenger of the church in Laodicea write, the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, says this, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. If only you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and not hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have become very wealthy and need nothing but you do not know that you are miserable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may be clothed, and the shame of your nakedness may not become public, and the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I rebuke and discipline those whom I love, so take this seriously and repent. Look, I stand at the door, and I am knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in with him and dine with him and he with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There you go. So he, he just like we had before, you know, we we dealt with work and then we have the highlight of work from from um, before and, and moving up through the letters. We have now... Uh, this idea of of the one who opens the doors and shuts the doors, and no one can. If he shuts it, no one can open it. If he opens it, no one can shut it. And now he's saying, "Hey, I'm I'm before the door, <laughs> right?" Um, so who do you think is going to be the one to open it? <laughs> I'm about. <laughs> Here comes the SWAT team, guys. <laughs> well, I, I think it's it says something, you know that that sometimes we forget that. Um, you know, faith is not something we do. Faith is worked in us. Um, you have every right to try to slam that door, right? You, you, you can reject as much as you want, but the opening of that door has nothing to do with you. And, and, and the, the scary part is, is that if you try to slam the door, maybe Jesus will let you, but at some point he will keep it shut and you can't open it. And I, I think there's, Less your control, more his control. Um, and, and there's that, there's that warning that comes out through this is, is you gotta be in one spot or another. You, you can't be like, well, I'll wait a little bit. You know, a little bit of Jesus is all right. Yeah, a little bit of the world is okay. You know, it's one or the other. You know, be invested. Wherever you're going to be, be invested. A- apathy is such a, uh, a dangerous thing. Jesus would rather have people be upset with him than people who are look at Jesus and just shrug their shoulders and go, eh, you know, yeah, I could do without him. He's, you know. Yeah, I have no opinion. It, it's it's kind of like this, and maybe you are the same opinion. You know, you either like hot coffee or you like cold coffee. You know, coffee that is sitting became warm temperature is kind of not the best coffee. This episode brought to you by bad coffee. <laughs> Lukewarm coffee. <laughs> Sorry, it, but it's. I, I like cold and I like hot coffee. Medium coffee. I just like coffee. I like what I don't like is cream in my coffee. Well, you know, if you let if you have cream in your coffee and you let it get to be room temperature, 
It's curdled cream <laughs> in your coffee. <laughs> I like I like my coffee without cream, without sugar. I like my coffee black, so black that Planned Parenthood wants to kill it when I'm making it. Well, that is just. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> uh, but let's go back to let's go back to God and His coffee. Um, God likes hot or cold coffee as well. We, we would think we, he would just like the hot coffee, but he, or the, the coffee that is, um, um, on fire for, for him, but he also likes the, the coffee that is actually, is, uh, uh, angry at him because then at least they care. Yeah. You're, you're, you're passionate about something in one way or the other. And, and I think here's the, and this is, and every, every pastor will say this. I would rather have a congregation who is fighting me. Or a congregation who is on fire for what we're doing, the worst thing you can ever have is an apathetic congregation that wants to do nothing. We got a comment that says, I want my coffee so black that I want it to show up on a drug test. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There you go. That would be good coffee. So strong. I want it to show up on a drug test. But no, I think, I think what you have here is, is you have, you have really the, the problem with the church in Laodicea, right? Is the, the fact that they are apathetic. Um, and, and remember when we had said, pay attention to some of the taglines of how Christ refers to himself as he talks to these congregations. He refers to himself to the, the, the to the, the people of Laodicea. He says, the Amen. I'm the end. So I'm, I'm ultimately the end, but then he says the faithful and true witness. What is it that they have neglected? They, in their apathy, they're not giving any witness, right? In their apathy, they're not being faithful at all. They're, they're kind of just moving along. Um, and he says, you, this is wrong. You, you, you are one way, one way or the other. Just, just pick one, right? Um, sometimes the most vehement people against the Lord have become the greatest defenders of the faith. Paul. Yeah, that happened once or twice throughout history. It has. A couple of times throughout history. Paul being one of them, right? Um, Augustine, another, if you want to use that. Martin Luther. Yep. Um, you have some people. Uh, Dave Rudat. <laughs> <laughs> the great persecutor of the church, Dave Rudat, who had this wonderful mountaintop experience. On the way through the cemetery at Collins, Wisconsin. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. He was never the great. Oh, hey, how about this? I was born in Holland, Michigan, which is, you know, a huge reformed. There, there's a story. I was born in the midst of the reformed and the Dutch community in Holland, And he Holland, came out again. And I, yes, he shrugged off the wooden shoes and, and, and surely he is now. <laughs> surely. <laughs> surely, he's, surely he is now the great defender of the Christian faith. So <laughs> I'm going to look forward to that book. <laughs> Just like you're looking forward to that uh, fishing solo episode. <laughs> Dante's Inferno. There is actually, I, I didn't mention during, there's actually a vote for you to do fishing solo on Dante's Inferno. There is a vote. There is one vote. Among yes, oh, I should I should say one vote. I should say one hundred percent of the people who voted voted that you would do a fishing solo episode <laughs> on Dante's Inferno. <laughs> this <Okay. laughs> 
normally when pastors get to Laodicea, they get pretty disgruntled and, and as they're going through it, and they're just like, you guys are all apathetic. But but Pastor Harley and Pastor Rudat, when they get to the end of Laodicea, uh, we're, we're just not, I guess we just get goofy. Well, and that's only, that's only because you and I have both uh, dealt with in our ministries and sometimes more than we care to admit, apathetic congregations. Oh, it's only 50% of the vote. 50, 50% plus, plus 51%. Katie said that the vote was only just Matt, so it's only 50% of the vote. There it is. No, but I counted the voting machines, and my voting machine said 100% of the voters. Take a recount. <laughs> but I, I think I it's one of those. I did the audit of the voting process, and the audit came back that you, you should do a fishing solo episode on Dante's Inferno. Um, it, so as we look at these different uh, churches and the different lampstands and Jesus, who is among the lampstands, he is, uh, has a wonderful message for them as they're sharing uh, the light of him th- to the world is that, one, he cares. Uh, he's there. He cares about them. He has not given up on them. He gives them, I mean, even Laodicea, he's giving them a warning. I'm about to spit you out of the mouth. So, um, And it's not just for them. I, I, I think it's for us, too. Yeah. I mean, you really can't take it out of the context and say, yeah, he's referring to these churches. But, but through those churches, he's, he's referencing all of his people because different, different location, put it in the United States, put it into Wisconsin. I can, I can point to congregations who are dealing with these same things. Yeah. Uh, another truth that comes away from looking at these, uh, the, these letters to the seven churches is that there is going to be a, a visible church that's dead and worldly, uh, that that should not surprise us, uh, and it should not surprise us that there is a faithful, there still is a faithful following, um, and it's an encouragement for us as well that still the things that we need to hold on to and pr- continue to proclaim, we still need to work on ourselves. We still we can't just become complacent because that's the path to apathy. Uh, it is still important to be in the Word, and the Word is for us. I agree. Closing thoughts, Will? Um, next broadcast will be uh, hosted by Good Coffee again. and um, That's what we can blame it on. Bad coffee is bad the reason coffee. why these two guys got go- yeah, bad We got way off track. Um, and, and that's because my cohort has led me astray. Um, <clears throat> and so um, we just give a reminder. We're going to get really into the book uh, next week. So three and four is, is what we're really going to hit. And now we're going to start hitting visions. Um, so if you thought, hey, Book of Revelation is really easy to approach and this has been good stuff, um, that stops. <laughs> <laughs> or it gets interesting. Or it gets interesting. So bring your coffee, whether it has cream or sugar or whether it is black, uh, which is what we would call good co- – or at least I would call is good coffee. And join us next week as we look at real-life living faith and the Book of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs>